We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Following a 37-point loss to the Denver Nuggets, the Phoenix Suns locked themselves in the locker room without media and without coaches to hold a players-only meeting where Jamal Crawford said afterwards, we're just going to keep everything in-house. We had a nice talk. That's it. When Devin Booker was asked about it, he said, what meeting? Uh, And of course, the reporter pushed back and he said, I just showered. And they said, wasn't that a longer shower than normal? And he said, I like long showers. And then the media asked Josh Jackson about it, and he said, we all like long showers, and that's all I'm going to say. (laughs) So this team loves long showers, had a players-only meeting, and then, of course, that led to the Lakers game that we just watched. Sam Cooper, how are you doing? I need a long shower, Mike. (laughs) Existence existence is pain. If you're listening to this... (laughs) Thank you for staying with us, but uh, (laughs) God, do you guys deserve a lot of credit if you're still out there listening. What a rough week for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, it's a really, really rough week. We played the Nuggets for the 17th time, as I said, on Twitter, and then, of course, that led to a Lakers game, a Lakers game where we played without DeAndre Ayton. Rashawn Holmes did come back. No DeAnthony Melton, no TJ Warren. The Lakers played without LeBron, without Lonzo Ball, and without Kyle Kuzma. And for some reason, we still watched this game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, Devin Booker's in it, you think, maybe. But yeah. the Lakers came in, they game-planned perfectly for Devin Booker. They They knew just exactly how to game plan for the Suns in this one. They trapped Booker on every possession, tried to force someone else into beating them, and nobody could because this team is, has a lot of bad players. A lot of bad players and no one that can create for themselves or for others the way that DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker can. Uh, really, I mean, the second best passer on this team, statistically, is Jamal Crawford. And Jamal Crawford is, is what is he known for? He's like known for the exact opposite of passing. And, and that's how you know we're in a situation where no one can really help Devin Booker out like this. Basically, the way the Lakers were treating him is as if he were Steph Curry and he could hit from 40 feet because as soon as he came around any screen, they were trapping him and pushing him back towards the half-court line. And then he had to throw up bailout passes to guys like Josh Jackson at the three-point line, who was wide open, which is a bad shot, ultimately. And, of course, he was driving in towards the rest of the defense. It just was a disaster game in general, in a rough game, even for Devin Booker, although he had some pretty amazing shots in this game, just doesn't look yeah. like himself lately, right? 
Well, I, offensively, I thought he was pretty creative. Uh, he shot 9 for 18, still finished with 21 points, 6 assists, and 3 turnovers. And for a guy who's getting trapped um, as frequently as he was, I actually thought that was pretty good. Uh, but you can tell, it, increasingly with every game, Devin Booker's getting more frustrated. And it sort of blew up on him in the middle of the fourth quarter in this one as the Suns were trailing all game. He just stopped playing defense at a certain point. And in fact, Igor Kokoshkov pulled him out of the game with about six minutes left after he played absolutely no defense. He was standing about 15 feet away from a wide-open Contavious Caldwell-Pope 3 that I think put the Lakers up by something like 15 points. He just decided to pull him out of the game after that, even though the Suns were still sort of technically in it. Uh, so that just sort of speaks to the type of frustration that we're dealing with uh, with Devin Booker right now. It's It makes me wonder... Who called the players only meeting and who was the instigator of that meeting? Because this team has a lot of problems, obviously. We've talked a lot about the power forward void, the point guard void. These are conversations that we've had throughout the season. Something that we probably haven't talked about enough is the leadership void. There's there's really no clear leaders on this team. Maybe the clearest leader right now is Jamal Crawford just just because he's been in the league for, I think, 400 years at this point. And then we have, of <laughs> course, Devin Booker, who's attempting to be a leader at this point of the season. And there's a lot of issues with that. For one, he's still a kid. He's 22 years old. Although he's been in the NBA, this is his fourth season, he's still a young guy. He's still figuring things out. And, of course, he thinks of himself as a veteran at this point. In reality, he's not. Although he's been on four NBA teams, none of them have actually been NBA-caliber teams. He's played with a lot of garbage over the course of his career. And the other part is, I don't think that he has been a great leader out on the floor so far. A lot of his defensive mistakes come from his ball watching. And when his man catches the ball at the three-point line because he slowly made his way into the paint, the first thing he does is slam the ball against the ground and point at somebody else and blame it on them, which is a frustrating thing to happen uh, when you're playing with a guy. And I know he carries a lot offensively for the team but to make such massive defensive mistakes the way he does and then immediately blame it on someone else on the floor on tv in front of 16,000 fans 17,000 fans or 10,000 if they're here in phoenix it's just not a great look uh for the leader of your team to be pointing out other people's flaws when in reality they're likely his have you noticed this yeah i've no i've noticed all of the defensive laps um sorry defensive lapses don't forget the technical fouls too Booker picked up his ninth tech uh, of the season tonight. That's tied with Kevin Durant for uh, fifth in the entire NBA. So I don't know. We've got all sorts of uh, systemic issues here uh, with Booker. And and it's just bubbled up over the past week. I mean, it's been a different thing basically every game. You, you look, obviously, one of the big stories of this week is that uh, altercation he had with Jang. Uh, in the T-Wolves game, which, you know, admittedly was kind of funny at the time because it was like, oh, these two guys, um, you know, getting a little frustrated. Oh, they were just swapping jerseys is what they said after the game to the to the media <laughs> in that one. Um, but honestly, I thought it was kind of funny at the time because I was like, okay, this is a one-off thing. But then you have that, you have the game after that where, you know, Booker had some interesting words that he said to the media. I can go over that in more detail maybe in a minute. You've got the players only meeting. You've got tonight's game where he's just giving up. And it's not so funny anymore when it just becomes a consistent streak of, of something's happening game after game. Yeah, it really doesn't. It really doesn't feel funny at this point. It, it no. feels like, <laughs> and, and you know, it's compounded, right? It, it, part of what makes it so frustrating, I think, for him at this point is that there's very few NBA quality players on the team already. And if you take DeAnthony Melton, Rashawn Holmes, TJ Warren, and DeAndre Ayton out of it, there's a lot less. Those are those are a few of the guys that we've sort of inducted into the timeline, if you will. Um, DeAndre Ayton provides so much space on the floor for everyone. It's difficult to trap Devin Booker when DeAndre Ayton is setting a screen for a couple of reasons. One, his screens are massive, and it's hard to get around those screens. And two... You can give it to DeAndre Ayton in space, and he can figure things out uh, a lot better than anyone else on the team at this point. Um, shout out to Emmanuel Terry. <laughs> hey, that's yeah. things honestly out. pretty good game from Emmanuel Terry. But I was going to say, with those four guys that you just mentioned being out, uh, you know, however excited you want to get about Dragon Bender's lukewarm sort of performances over the past week, when those four guys are out, the Suns have maybe two NBA caliber players besides Devin Booker. It's Kelly Oubre and Mikhail Bridges. 
And I don't really think you could make too convincing a case for anyone else on the entire roster. It's hard because it's a lot of this. What we're doing right now is we're making excuses for Devin Booker. And and to be to be honest, that that is what we're doing. And at a certain point, though, he has to accept the responsibility that he is now the max player on this team. He is now one of the longest tenured players on the team as far as guys who are with the team. It's just TJ Warren and him. And that means that the responsibility of being a leader falls on his shoulders regardless of if he's ready for it or not. And what that means is that he cannot blame people on the floor when he makes mistakes. He has to be engaged defensively. And of course, a lot of the offensive game falls on his shoulders. And of course, it's frustrating when uh, there's no other quality NBA players on the floor. But at a certain point, you have to accept that responsibility and say, I'm the leader of this team and I can't let it show. And of course, We've had great leaders. Steve Nash is one of the greatest leaders in the history of the NBA. And one thing that Steve Nash always did is he led by encouragement. He was always telling guys they did great. He, he led the league in high fives. That's one of the most famous stats, right? They tracked high fives on the team. And he was constantly uh, picking people up and giving him that support and that energy. And when you're a point guard, which is effectively what Devin Booker is doing, your job is to get people involved and make them feel ready when they catch the ball and shoot. And you can't really harp on them when you're making mistakes. Um, I know I, I'm saying a lot about Devin Booker. It's just that he's been very bad in the month of January. One of the worst players on the team by net rating. I mean, that's that's where we're at at this point. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to balance. Uh, I'll put it another way. I've seen... I'll, uh, I agree with everything you're saying. On the other hand, it's just such a heavy offensive load. If you look at what he's doing, the, the Lakers are not the only team to trap Booker you know, in the way that they were doing tonight. It's been a consistent theme now. Every team in the NBA knows how to game plan for the Suns. And if you look at how Booker's been playing, you're right. He hasn't been playing that well since he returned on January 15th. He's averaging only 5.6 assists per game, actually, which is way down from his season total where, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, he was averaging seven assists per game. But he's averaging close to 12. He's averaging 11.6 potential assists per game, but less than six actual assists, which if you look at some of the comparable players around him is actually really poor. I mean, guys are catching the ball in spots. They're getting opportunities to score when Booker passes out of the double team, and they're just not taking advantage of it because this is a very, very bad offensive team outside of um, outside of Devin Booker. For comparison... I pulled up a couple other players here. Nikola Jokic generates close to eight assists per game on the same number of potential assists. Point guards like Kyrie Irving, Mike Conley, who we're going to talk about later in this episode. Rajon Rondo, who we just played tonight. D'Angelo Russell. These are all guys getting close to seven assists per game on the same number of potential assists that Devin Booker does. But Devin Booker only gets five and a half because he passes. And more than half the time, they're not hitting open threes. So... You can see the frustration building and it compounds upon itself game after game. I just, I agree with you that he hasn't been a leader necessarily on, on and off the court, but it's just hard to blame him when he's one of only a couple of NBA caliber players on this roster. When we've talked about the point guard problem, when we talked about the power forward problem, when we talk about the lack of leadership problem, what we're talking about is problems with roster construction and the thing is about tanking, the thing is about rebuilding, about putting a team together with young guys. You don't have to put just a bunch of garbage players on the floor and you don't have to have a lack of leadership on the floor. It's possible to put a team together that has leadership, that still has uh, maybe not as big of roster holes as we currently have, uh, and, and give these guys a chance to grow together. It really is a disaster and it really is... An indictment on how bad, of course, you can point it at Ryan McDonough. At this point, it's James Jones. It's really hard to put this on James Jones's shoulders because of what's been available so far to, to put this team together once he actually got the job. He never really had a chance to put any, any players on the floor that he wanted because nothing's been available since he became the general manager or co-general manager, whatever they're calling him at this point. But it's just been such a disaster, and I think we need to point our ire at the right guy because what can be the fixes? So let's talk about that. What can be the fixes that would get Devin Booker less frustrated? So some of the things that you can do, right? Run Devin Booker off the ball. Play him off the ball. But what does that do? Who has the ball at that point? 
Is it Josh Jackson? He's a turnover machine. Is it Elliot Kobo? He he can't really create because he can't get into the lane. Uh, you know, is it Anthony Melton? No, he's injured. Is it T.J. Warren? No, he's injured. Is it Dan? Or, you know, it's just there's nobody there that can fix that. So what are the other potential solutions? But the refs are getting on him. So that's another thing I wanted to talk about. Clearly, Devin Booker is frustrated with the referees. Is there a solution to that problem? No. No, not really. No. <laughs> and I'm really I'm saying all this to say. Igor Kokoshkov is playing with two hands, t- coaching with two hands tied behind his back at this point. And I know you want to, a lot of fans want to point this at Igor Kokoshkov and say, what the hell are you doing? And I understand why people want to do that because it's just such an awful thing to watch at this point. But there's just nothing you can do as a coach. You have to play guys like Jamal Crawford at this point in the season. And you have to start Elia Kobo, who's clearly not ready for that. And, you know, there's just not much you can do. A lot of it falls on Devin Booker's shoulders at that point. Yeah, I don't even know how to fix this team at this point. It's going to take so much. And tanking isn't, it's just not necessarily going to get it done. This is a rough draft class to be tanking in. There's only two guys, you talk to Suns fans, that it seems like anyone is really even interested in going after anyway. And if they miss those two, the idea of trading that pick becoming more and more appealing of course, the two I'm talking about, you know, is Zion Williamson and John Morant. Uh, I, I don't know if this team really needs R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish or anyone like that. If you miss out on Morant or Williamson, I think you have to go for a trade at this point. You just have to do something. And I know this is the Timeline podcast, and we talk about the Timeline all the time, getting players that fit the Timeline, but I don't know. Where, where, where are you on this situation? <laughs> let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's actually talk about a couple of the guys that are available on the trade market potentially right now and talk about whether or not they'd be a solution to the problems that we're currently facing. We'll be right back. Okay, let's talk about some of the people that could potentially solve some of the problems that we're currently having. There's two There's two current stars potentially on the market, and guess what they are? They're a point guard and a power forward. <laughs> so let's talk about who they are. According to Woj, both Mike Conley and Mark Gasol are now available for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies clearly signaling that they want to tank and rebuild for the future. So that means that... Mike Conley, who makes a lot of money, is available. And on paper, Mike Conley is a perfect fit for this team basketball-wise. He's a veteran. He's a leader. He's an excellent point guard. And he fills the largest void that we have on the team currently. That still does not sell me. But how do you feel about Mike Conley, Sam? Do it. Do, I mean, point, okay, so... Yeah, the, uh, who are we waiting for? Okay, couple things. First of all, there's also this report. Woj, this is not a report as much as it's speculation on his part. I think it's what he actually just believes to be the case. He said the Suns are more likely to be sellers than they are buyers, is his indication. And to which I would respond, what the hell are we selling? Troy Daniels, Dragon Bender, yeah. and guys right. who might not even be claimed if we were to waive them outright. But um, regarding Conley, yes, at this point... There's just only so long. We talked about it with John Wall earlier in this season. There's only so long that you can just wait out and hope for something better. If you look ahead to the free agent market this year, the Suns' options are they could throw a lot of money at Kemba Walker only to watch Kemba Walker not sign with them because we are one of the worst teams in the NBA. You could risk a lot of money on a restricted free agent like Terry Rozier or Malcolm Brogdon, two guys who I do like somewhat, but frankly, there's a very good chance that neither of them ever becomes as good as Mike Conley currently is. You could throw a lot of money at a guy like D'Angelo Russell. That could pay off. It could not. I think it's still unlikely that Russell would sign with a team as bad as Phoenix. Or you could draft John Morant, where, again, you're relying on tanking. You're hoping that the prospect pays off. Even if he does pay off, it's going to be about three years before he's really a good level point guard. And at that point, who knows where. Devin Booker's already getting frustrated right now. Who knows where he's going to be in another three years. So those are basically all of your options without doing a trade. 
of the types of point cards that you could acquire in the next six to 12 months. Outside of those point cards, you're talking about uh, uh, Ricky Rubio is another option I forgot. Ricky Rubio, nice point guard, clearly worse than Mike Conley. Goran Dragic, nice point guard, clearly worse than Mike Conley. Other stopgap options are out there. Darren Collison, uh, you you know, guys like Patrick Beverly, they're out there. Clearly nobody better than Mike Conley right now. If his value is low and he's really available, as Woj seems to indicate, I say go for it. So there's a couple problems with potentially adding Mike Conley to this team in my opinion, I'd like to hear what you think about these because my two fears, well, I have three fears, I would say, with Mike Conley. One, he's old. That means that he's not getting better at this point, and at any point, any injury could end his career, and he's getting paid over $30 million, uh, and this is this year and next year. Mike Conley's on, on the books for next year. Uh, two, he's at the point of his career where he will want to win a championship, and we've seen how that goes with veterans in the past. We signed Tyson Chandler, expecting a potential LaMarcus Aldridge signing, although anyone who's known the Suns should have known that that wasn't going to happen at that point, so that's on Tyson Chandler at that point. And clearly, he did nev- he never really gave a full effort, maybe 10, 15 games after he initially signed. We saw what happened with Trevor Reza. He- we signed him, and then very quickly, once he realized what life was like on the Phoenix Suns, he stopped giving a full effort on this team. Now, of course, what people are saying right now is they're saying, well, Mike Conley, he, he's, he's not like those guys. He's a great guy. Everyone says he's a great guy. He, he's a great leader. He's constantly giving his all. Grit and grind, that's what the Memphis Grizzlies do. And yes, you're right about that, but we really heard only good things about Tyson Chandler and Trevor Reza before they joined the Suns as well. So my fear is you trade for a guy like Mike Conley, you give up significant assets because they're not, although they're not going to get something amazing, they're also not going to give him up for nothing. So you give up significant assets for him. He gets to the Suns, he immediately hates it. And what if he wants to leave and go to a, a championship team at that point? And yes, he's still under contract, so you can force him to play, but that does not always work. In the NBA, you end up with a Jimmy Butler scenario uh, the way they did in the Timberwolves. So is that worth the risk for you? And of course, it depends on what we give up. But is that worth the risk for you? Are you a betting man? Generally? Of course I am. <laughs> How risk averse yes. are you? Because th- it's just the nature of the game. Eventually, you got to cash in on your chips and, you know, make a move. I mean, wh- why was Ryan McDonough fired if not for the fact that he hoarded all of these assets for so long and never accumulated anything out of it? The- my yeah. problem with Suns- the Suns fan base right now is that Suns fans are prudes. They keep turning their noses up at they ke- okay, first of all, they keep complaining about how garbage of a team this is because really it's not an NBA caliber team right now. And then they turn their noses up at every all-star caliber player that comes along on the trade block. Oh, if this player is on the trade block for this reason or that reason, then obviously they're not the solution to our problems. Well, obviously no player is no perfect player in the perfect situation is ever going to be on the trade block in the first place. <laughs> so, you know, if you're more than content to keep throwing your starting position to the Shaquille Harrisons and the DeAnthony Meltons and the Elia Cobos of the world, but turn your nose up at Mike Conley, John Wall, you know, and D'Angelo Russell, anyone else, then that's on you. But I have to say the Suns aren't going to get much better if they're not willing to make these sorts of risky moves eventually. You just have to try. It's not going to get better unless you try. So I just argued against it. But to me, the number one argument for it is to satisfy a guy like Devin Booker. Because what I think trading for Mike Conley would do is it would show that the team is willing to invest in players that are good right now, right now. And I think it would bring a leader that would be the clear leader over Devin Booker, which I think would be good for him uh, on the court and off the court. I think it would allow him to uh, play off the ball a lot more, obviously. A A pick and roll ran with uh, it w- with DeAndre Ayton and Mike Conley, it would look a lot like a pick and roll run with M- Mark Gasol and Mike Conley. Uh, offensively, uh, Mark Gasol and DeAndre Ayton are, are actually pretty similar, especially at early in Mark Gasol's career. They have the passing ability, they have the post-up ability, they have the long jumper ability, and of course they can create on, on their own if they need to. 
And the other part is uh, Mike Conley has the ability of shooting around a screen, which is a nice thing to have considering really only Devin Booker has it on our team. And and, and to a point, Jamal Crawford, but uh, month after month, the percentages on those shots around the screen are going to go down for Jamal Crawford. At this point is in his career, they're never really going to get better uh, going forward. So yeah, on paper, it would be a great fit. And I think it would be really good for a guy like Devin Booker. But what would be what would we be willing to give up for him? A lot of people online have been speculating that Ryan Anderson could be included. And that's a really good well, he, selling point for he us. He has right? to be. He has it's to be the only way. For, yeah. He has to be included. The trade has to look like probably, well, it has to be Ryan Anderson. And then you probably have to pair Ryan Anderson, either with TJ Warren or Josh Jackson, just to match salaries. Uh, now the problem that I think Suns fans don't want to hear Suns fans are super eager to trade TJ Warren right now. So I've seen a lot of trade proposals of, Oh, let's give them Ryan Anderson, TJ Warren, the bucks pick, which sorry to break it to you guys, but the bucks pick is, is really not that valuable. The bucks pick and like Elliot Kobo or something like that, or, or some people don't even throw a Kobo in there. They just say, give them TJ Warren and the bucks pick. And that's enough. Uh, but I don't think if the Grizzlies are really, trying to build around a core of Jaron Jackson Jr. in the future, I don't think they're going to be all that interested in a close to 26-year-old TJ Warren um, or 25-year-old TJ Warren at this point. I think they're going to be looking for even younger than that. They're going to be looking for cap flexibility and truly young prospects to build around and maybe future draft assets uh, in addition to that. So I think the ideal situation for the Suns is you hope that they actually like Josh Jackson, uh, which honestly I wouldn't bet on them liking him based on his level of play this year but that's what you hope for uh maybe they ask for mikhail bridges too yes this is where we hit an impasse exactly this is where we hit an impasse to me is it worth it to give up mikhail bridges for (laughs) mike conley making over 30 million dollars a year uh in his 30s personally I I, i i don't think it's worth mikhail bridges josh jackson i do in a heartbeat tj warren i would do as well uh, but I think Mikhail Bridges is probably where I draw the line. And, you know, a lot of a lot of nights I watch Mikhail Bridges and think maybe that will be an opinion that comes back to bite me in the ass because Mikhail Bridges really isn't – he's barely uh, offensively capable NBA player at this point in his career. He just had a really good game tonight against L.A. because he was hitting his open shots, but he, he doesn't look to create for himself. Uh, and so if he never puts that offense together, certainly we hope he will, but if he never puts that offense together, he's never going to be more than a, a decently solid 3 and D level player. Uh, and if that ends up being his ceiling, then you look back on it and say, hey, maybe we should have traded a guy like that for Mike Conley. At this point, though, I'm willing to bet on his potential and say I would be uncomfortable with that sort of trade package. So then we'd have to talk about what we what our package would look like compared to what other teams could potentially want Mike Conley at this point. So some of the rumored teams that have been interested in Mike Conley – the first one was the Pacers, and so this is an interesting time to talk about it because we just found out uh, this week that, very sadly, Victor Oladipo uh, ruptured a tendon in his quad and will be out probably for at least nine months. So thinking about them giving up assets for Mike Conley and then playing without Victor Oladipo for the majority of the contract time that they would own for Mike Conley is very unlikely at this point. So very sad situation for the Pacers, but in a sense, it benefits the Suns in that they're more likely to give up more assets for uh, a guy like Mike Conley. Um, I'm not sure anyone else that could be interested in him at this point. Teams that need point guards are uh, the Orlando Magic, and it's kind of a similar situation to us. Would they be willing to give up uh, younger assets when they're not a great team for a guy like Mike Conley who would be playing uh, you know, his older years in a team like that. The other team I think that could potentially be interested in him would be the Lakers. I don't know that this is true. I just think it would be a good fit for him, and they we know that they've made uh, a few guys available for trade on the Lakers. Now, they value their cap space maybe more than any team, and rightfully so because they, they're in L.A., and cap space is just more valuable in L.A., but he would be a great fit on that team, and I'm not sure that we could put together a better offer than the Lakers could at this point. So it really <laughs> matters how much they value that Bucks pick. Yeah, yeah, it does. I don't remember where this source came from. Is it just me, or did I hear something about the Jazz? 
Did you hear that too? Oh yes, I no, that, that I up? did hear that as well. No, 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 I heard that as They'd well. They probably have to pair Rubio and favors to make any sort of contract situation work. Plus whatever assets. I mean, you know, I don't even know what the Jazz would the Jazz don't have young players like that really, but uh yeah. but they could potentially be in the midst. I don't know. I mean Ru- Rubio's an unrestricted free agent, so I don't really see how that sort of package would work. Um, if he's about to hit free agency. Conley is clearly an upgrade there, though. Yeah, and I don't think that the Grizzlies would, would want Rubio if they're really trying to rebuild, so that would be a, a good situation for the Suns to step in and try and make a deal. Right. I guess the only way they would is if they're just prioritizing getting off Conley's $30 million and starting afresh in free agency. If they really value that cap flexibility, which is something they can't get from the Suns in Ryan Anderson because Anderson has another year on his deal. Yeah, it's it's just it's a rough situation for us to me because i i just don't know that we really have the assets and that's a really scary thing to even say that we might not even have the assets for a guy like mike conley late in his career well, i think we do i mean i think you're willing to part with mikhail bridges and suddenly i think it it might yeah. be a different story uh, Mikha- uh, let me right. tell you mikhail bridges jaron jackson jr you need star power on that team Ooh. but it's a great defensive start yeah. To your core. It really is. Yeah, it, it changes the outlook because without just without Mike Conley and without Marc Gasol, the outlook on that Grizzlies team is pretty bad. Really, they, they don't have a lot of young talent on that team outside of Triple J. So adding a guy like Mikhail Bridges would be huge for them. It's just how willing would the Suns be to do that? I think it's very unlikely. For one, our owner pulled the trigger on that trade for Mikhail Bridges and the idea of him pulling the plug this early to me it's unlikely it's very very unlikely so uh you know if you really want Mike Conley at this point of the season and after that Lakers game and after that Nuggets game I wouldn't blame you uh you better hope that they really like Josh Jackson (laughs) yeah and if they do like Josh Jackson honestly I'm sorry to you Josh Jackson truthers out there but I think you have to jump on an opportunity like that Kelly Oubre is playing well enough that he's given you this added benefit of all this wing versatility that honestly makes one guy expendable. And if that guy happens to be Josh Jackson and it can get you an all-star caliber point guard like Mike Conley, you know, you got to get better somehow. You got to give something to get something. And Josh Jackson is very inconsistent right now. He just shot four for 15 tonight. Any other thoughts on Mike Conley? Uh, no, that's, that's about it. I want him. I want him. I want a solution. You know, there, there's some... We're going to put out, we put out that free agent power forward video. We're going to put out a free agent point guard video as well. Um, And, you know, we've got some ideas there. Definitely there are options for the Suns, but there's no one, there's no one as good as Mike Conley, unless you could somehow, uh, I don't know, torture Kemba Walker into forcing him to agree to sign here or, you know, get D'Angelo Russell somehow maybe. But I think the likelihood of both of those things happening is looking pretty slim. Do you think that Zion at this point has the kind of like star power or magnetism that would make players want to play with him in free agency, even though he's a kid. I think it's really rare for kids to have that. Uh, I mean, can you give me an example of a rookie that really had so much hype about them that, that there were free agents willing to play with them? I mean, most rookies come in. I don't think it exists. I, I don't think it exists. I really don't think. Yeah, there's some classic there's there's some classic clips uh, of Cavaliers players who played on the team that was bad enough to get the number 1 pick to to pick LeBron James. Talking about LeBron not being number 1 in the depth chart coming out of high school. LeBron by the way, everyone knew he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated before he was an NBA player. So his potential was clear immediately and there was still guys on the Cavs going LeBron he's got to earn it he doesn't he doesn't come into the NBA just owning that spot and it's just hilarious and I think it proves if anything that even a guy like Zion doesn't really have that kind of magnetism or star power and it would take a long time regardless and you know that sort of you know it's an argument in favor of trading the pick which if you believe Woj is very unlikely uh, for the Suns to do at this point you know actually it's it's interesting you mentioned LeBron because LeBron came into a obviously a really bad Cavs team. It's not his fault. <laughs> it just it just happens with high picks all the time. But Carlos Boozer at that point, I don't know if you remember, but Carlos Boozer was coming into his own. He was a second round pick. Mm. He was 22, 23 years old, you know, some, sometime in his early 20s at that point, maybe two or three seasons into his career, and he was looking good. 
not quite all-star caliber yet, but he was very clearly on the fast track to becoming a very good player in this league and turning into what would later be uh, an all-star reserve for a few years with Utah. But LeBron didn't impact him at all. Boozer played uh, for the Cavs during LeBron's rookie season, and then he turned and ran and took a bigger contract with Utah and, and darted out of there as fast as he could and ended up becoming a very good player. So I, I just think, I mean, that's only one example. I just thought of that because you specifically mentioned LeBron James, but I think it's mm-hmm. very, very rare, even for a prospect with the level of hype that LeBron has. Uh, I think it's rare for rookies to have any sort of pull like that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Boy, would that be a great solution to a power forward problem that we clearly have. Um, and speaking of power forward, there is potentially, maybe, another power forward available on the market and one that the Suns have been tied to in the past. And that power forward is Blake Griffin. If you believe the report, which... Yeah, let's, let's start right there. Yes. Scoop B, Brandon scoop. Robinson. The infamous, <laughs> the infamous Scoop B, who uh, I believe... KD should be playing for the Lakers right now if yeah. Brandon Robinson's report from the summer is correct. So, Yeah, and his report is that Blake Griffin is very unhappy in Detroit. And, I could have told uh, you that. Right, and I think, yeah, of course, for one, it's Detroit. Nobody wants to live there in the winter. Uh, but the other part is he plays with Reggie Jackson, which, as we all know, seems to not be very fun. Uh and if anyone, if everyone saw it, there's a there's a hilarious video where uh, Blake Griffin is being interviewed um, after a win, and he's talking about their lack of focus early in games and how they need to be more engaged in having a really serious discussion about the improvements that the Detroit Pistons need to make. And then Reggie Jackson runs up and, and dumps some water on him and has like a hilarious uh, look at us <laughs> having a funny moment, uh, and and it just a sort of. It's kind of a convenient time, I think, for Scoop to have the scoop about <laughs> Blake Griffin being unhappy in Detroit because even if it's not true, it seems believable after that moment where Blake Griffin's trying to be serious and Reggie Jackson is struggling to be serious at all. If it is to be believed, Blake Griffin was tied to the Suns in the past. He canceled his free agency meeting after the Clippers literally rose his jersey to the rafters to try and convince him to stay in L.A. and then immediately tra- traded him after signing him. So he knows that the Suns wanted him here. He knows that he's wanted in Phoenix. In a weird sense, he could be a good fit because he is a playmaker. He has a huge contract, similar to Mike Conley, but he's signed for a few years, meaning if you're the Suns, you don't have to worry about him bolting. Um, but he doesn't really fit next to centers he kind of has to play that single big role. How do you feel about Blake Griffin just as a fit basketball-wise? Yeah, he's obviously a great player. I think I should just start, though, by saying if it's true, and I still don't believe this report, but if it's true that Blake Griffin is unhappy in Detroit, I don't necessarily see a reason why he would be happy in Phoenix. Uh, He's objectively moving to a worse team. Uh, But I I think the thing about Blake is just that mostly Devin Booker would have to adapt because Blake is actually, a, he's a very, very high usage player. Uh, even for a big, he leads the NBA in touches per game, Mike, which is something that right. I think would surprise a lot of people. Like a lot of people would think, you know, they would either point at some, maybe not this year with Paul George being around in OKC, but previously they would have said like some triple double stat pattern like Russell Westbrook, or obviously they would point to a guy like James Harden this year with the level of a, uh, you, you know, the amount that he's putting the Rockets on his back in Houston. But no, it's actually Blake Griffin who leads the NBA in touches per game. So I think all parties would have to adapt there to an offense built around uh, Booker and Blake. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he's had a pretty interesting resurgence in his career this season. Still injury-prone concerns, but he would be a very, very talented player. And again, it's the same thing as Conley. I, I just think you can't turn your nose up at a player of that caliber. So you say that he would be definitely going to a team that's worse than the Pistons. And I do agree yeah. with that just because the Suns roster is so flawed and it's not deep at all. But I will say that Devin Booker would be the best player besides Blake Griffin on the Pistons right now, in my opinion. And the ceiling that DeAndre Ayton has is so much higher than a guy like Andre Drummond. I think Andre Drummond's kind of the floor for what DeAndre Ayton can be in the NBA. So even though he would be objectively moving to a team that is worse than the Pistons, 
I think that the potential of what the Suns could be with a guy like Blake Griffin, especially with an offseason to to build around uh, the trio of DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, and Blake Griffin, would be so much better. And this is the kind of guy I think that you would actually think about moving Mikhail Bridges for because he's very good. He's on a longer contract, and and you know, yeah, it's 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 where you would throw a guy like that in there. Um, do we have the assets in your mind to to? Of course, we don't really believe the report. Personally, I don't really believe the report, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was available, to be honest. Uh, do we have the assets, do you think? Well, what do we think Detroit wants in the first place? I mean, they're in a really funny spot because if they're trading Blake, they shouldn't stop there. They tear should it down. Probably, yep. Yeah, they, if you're going to trade Blake, you might as well trade Drummond's, see what you can get. Uh, you're not going to get anything for Reggie Jackson. Maybe see what you can get for a guy like Reggie Bullock. Uh See if you can pawn a first-rounder, late first-rounder for Ish Smith, another former son. I don't know. I mean, mm. but, but you I'd don't have many right young now. guys there. Yeah, you, you don't have many young guys there. Uh, Stanley Johnson's not doing anything for you. He's a young guy. Luke Kennard, he's fine. Um, mm. I think Bruce Brown is having an okay rookie season. But there's not much there. So you have to tear it down, and you're looking for – it's not like the Suns, um, or or sorry, it's it's – you're looking for high potential prospects. So I think Mikhail Bridges doesn't even necessarily do it. Yeah. They'd ask for Booker. Yeah, well, that's possible. That's what they would ask say, for. I mean, I mean, they'd ask for the Suns' first-round pick this year, for sure. Yeah. You know, they're going, they're going for high potential prospects. They're asking for Mikhail Bridges and DeAnthony Melton quite possibly, too. But those are the side pieces to the main course, which is a pretty good chance at Zion. Or, you know, RJ. Would you do that? Or, uh, I don't know. I mean, again, so you have to match salaries. You you have to match salaries with uh, Anderson and TJ, probably, for this one. So you're already, you're already talking about Anderson, TJ, Brit. If, if the offer is Anderson, TJ, Bridges, and the Suns' first-round pick this year, I mean, that might be what we're looking at. For a guy like Blake Griffin, who's averaging, he's averaging 26 points, eight rebounds, five assists per game. He's two years younger than Mike Conley. I understand he has a huge contract. He would severely limit the Suns' abilities to sign any top tier free agents, of course. You might still be able, you always have the mid level exception to bring in some bench depth, and you might still have enough cap space. I'd have to run the numbers, but you might still have enough cap space after an acquisition like that to get a lower end starter, uh, you know. I can't think of a point guard off the top of my head. You might be able to go after like a Darren Collison type guy to, as a stopgap point guard option and free agency, but you're not going after Ricky Rubio anymore. You're not going after D'Angelo Russell anymore. That's for sure. Maybe Dragic, depending on what his Maybe value Dragic. is at the end of the Dragic, So Dragic is making 19 million next year. If he yeah. Dragic isn't even necessarily a free agent. He has to decline right. that he has $19 a player million. Dollars. Yeah, he has a player option. Thank you for thinking of the term that for some reason... Uh, eluded me um but so he has to be willing to bet on himself and say that i can get more than that in this market which i don't even know if he can given that he's missing so much time this season (sighs) it's a tough situation you're you're committing you're trading your pick this year you're committing to booker griffin ayton and thinking to yourself we'll fill in the rest of the holes with you know hope that kelly Oubre or josh jackson can hold down the small forward spot Hope that you can find a stopgap option at point guard like Darren Collison. I, I'm just throwing out his name because I remember he's a free agent. I can't think of other like mediocre point guard free agents off the top of my head. Uh, and or you hope that a guy like Elliot Kobo or DeAnthony Melton really grows into something at that position. And then that's your crew. If you could, yeah, you're if locked you could in. Get out of that. If you could get out of that with uh, DeAnthony Melton. And Mikhail Bridges at any way, I think that would be a great move, but I just don't know that it, that it would be possible. It depends on how valuable that number one Suns pick would be to other teams, which I think it would be probably pretty valuable depending on when a guy like Blake Griffin would be moved. The, the trade deadline being earlier than ever actually affects the Suns negatively if they do want to trade that pick because if they get a good player back in return for that pick, they end up winning a lot more games, which lowers that value of that pick. So makes it a little harder um, you know, at this point of the season, that's an interesting one, and I, you know, we'll see what happens if it's confirmed that Blake Griffin is actually available or not. Uh, you know, Detroit's not in an easy place; they would have to tear it down. And I don't think a guy like Reggie Jackson has all that much trade value, and Andre Drummond's 
pretty highly paid as well a good player but makes a lot of money yeah he makes he makes like 25 million dollars a year for the next couple years but i think andre drummond could net you a lottery pick plus some other pieces right like if they really fully committed to trading griffin and drummond and tearing it down they could come in next season with three or four high potential rookies maybe some other young pieces They, they could have something interesting especially in the eastern conference you have to not blow your chances like the suns have for the past five years but theoretically, you have some right. assets there. So if you believe Woj, nothing's going to happen. Nothing of, of any value for the Phoenix Suns. Maybe well, we getting rid sell. of a guy like Troy Daniels. Yeah. Yeah, we might sell. If only that story was about Sarver. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we'd feel a lot better about it. Um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, we have another episode between now and the trade deadline. I'm sure if anything big happens on the trade deadline, we will have our immediate immediate reactions up that night. Just to remind everyone, the trade deadline is February 7th, I believe, Thursday, February 7th. So we got about a week and a half until that date, uh, almost two weeks until that date. So we'll see if there's any other rumors between now and then. Um, one last thing I want to cover before we end this episode on Wednesday, January 23rd, the Phoenix City Council voted to pay $150 million of tax money earned from hotels and rental cars to renovate Talking Stick Re- Resort Arena, um, a city-owned arena, of course, effectively keeping the Phoenix Suns in Arizona until 2037, in Phoenix specifically, uh, with an option to stay until 2042. It was a very interesting vote. It passed 6-2. to two. Greta was there. She said some crazy stuff. There was another crazy man. Yeah. (laughs) There was another crazy guy named Larry Naiman who, in 1997, shot a Phoenix official, a politician named Mary Rose Wilcox. He said he shot her in the butt. That's what he said. Um, After she voted to support a tax to fund Chase Field, which is where the Arizona Diamondbacks play, which is basically across the street from Talking Stick resort arena so it was it was very arizona let's let's say that this this uh, phoenix city council vote but what it means is they will stay in phoenix but what it also means sam you know what i'm about to say it means we're gonna get a new practice facility hey. what do you know <laughs> hey between 25 and 50 million dollars is gonna be put towards a new practice and, facility and so you can sons. expect that to be exactly 25 million dollars yeah by robert sarver himself by uh, the Suns. Thank you to the wonderful Robert Sarver uh, for <laughs> all of your generosity. Uh, if you have any advertisers uh, that you would like to to <laughs> give us some money and ad- advertise on this podcast, <laughs> please uh, feel free to reach out. Yeah, so uh, twenty-five to fifty million dollars towards a practice practice facility that will be separate from the arena for the first time. In uh, Phoenix Suns history, from what I know, there will be a practice facility separate from the arena, and that hopefully comes with a private chef to satisfy all of our future free agents. Um, but if anything, you know, we're talking about free agents. We did that video on free agents. By the way, we have a YouTube channel. If you didn't hear our last week's episode, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns channel on YouTube. You can find it. Uh, you can tweet at us. You can send us a message on Reddit. We'll send you a link directly to it. We've got some cool videos up there. But a free agency pitch now you can you can guarantee will include a mock-up of what the new arena will look like. I'm sure that it'll have a mock-up of what whatever the locker rooms will look like once they're renovated. And of course, it'll have a beautiful model of our practice facility as soon as they walk into the room to talk about how great that's going to be. That will likely be done sometime in 2019 or 2020 from what I've heard. So sometime by next the end of next season there's likely going to be a new practice facility so that's some good news depending on how you feel about public money being used to fund an arena um, good that they're staying in phoenix a little weird about that uh, as far as the city paying for it we may have some more stuff soon talking about this arena on our youtube channel uh, in the next week or so you have any thoughts on the uh, on the arena vote sam uh yeah it seems I I was hesitant to give my real opinion on the deal. Uh, Maybe like when we were talking about it in previous episodes, I think this is a pretty good deal for the city of Phoenix. If you look at what other deals um, or sorry, what other agreements have been made between teams and their respective cities around the NBA, this, it seems pretty standard. So, and the, and the money is coming from tourism tax money. So I don't know. 
you can you can read the fine yeah, it's one percent it's a one percent tax yeah. yeah um so we'll i'll go into some more detail about that in the future uh, but this kind of wraps up that story. We'll, we'll of course, have new news about the uh, practice facility as it's being built. Me and Sam have already speculated that we might have to go check out when they break ground and when they open it up <laughs> to try and get pictures of the new practice facility for you guys because, as you know, we talk about that on almost every episode at this point. Got anything else, Sam? If Troy Daniels gets traded for a top 55 protected second-round pick, is that grounds for an emergency <laughs> podcast? Absolutely. I'm just trying to draw the line Maybe of what, just... what we're doing for the next week. Keep you folks entertained because that's <laughs> that's about where we're at at this point in the season. Thank you so much for listening to another another yeah. painstaking episode of the Timeline Podcast. Yeah. So those of you who stick around, we know the stats. When we lose right before we record an episode, we get less listeners. So those to those of you who stick around, even when we're losing, thank you. I hope that we're making... This season more fun even through all these difficult times and for those of you who are not listening um fuck you no i'm just kidding <laughs> thanks for everyone sticking around don't forget to follow us at the timeline pod on twitter don't forget to find our youtube channel you can also find both mine and sam's twitter accounts through our twitter account at the timeline pod thanks for listening we'll talk to you guys next week well i was in the locker room showering and i I had to go, so... There we go. Anyway, I think the guy in the shower opposite saw me. He really gave me a dirty look. You went in the shower. Yeah, so what? I'm not the only one. Do you go in the shower? No, never. Do you? I take baths. I supposed to do? Get out of the shower, put on my bathrobe, go all the way down to the other end, come all the way back. Did you ever hear of holding it in? Oh no, no, that's very bad for the kidneys. How do you know? (laughs) Medical journals. Do the medical journals mention anything about standing in a pool of someone else's urine? You just wrapped up another episode of The Timeline. I love this podcast. And if you're like me, you want as much Suns content as possible. That's why I listen to The Timeline every week. So if you want to go ahead and hear some more Phoenix Suns content, go ahead and listen to The Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns show. We are available on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Anywhere that you listen to podcasts, go ahead and check out The Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns show. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.